What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, the second episode, technically, of the 2023 football season. Uh, our first episode, technically, was the interview with Lance Meadow. But a lot of stuff to talk about today, so hit the like button, comment, and subscribe. Do all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate you all coming back. Also, share this out, too. But uh, we're going to run down what we're going to talk about today. This will be uploaded on the podcast platforms later on, but just some things to go over on our right-hand side. Training camp takeaways, just some basic stuff for the New York Giants and what we've seen thus far. Um, unofficial depth chart came out today. came out this morning before practice, so we're going to take a look at that, some key takeaways there. The bubble players to watch and players we're excited to see. We're going to talk about that likely either before or after the practice recap with Jeremy Reisman. Uh, who is a Detroit Lions beat reporter. So that's going to be fun. He's coming on at 3.30, and we're going to talk about the joint practice, do all the good stuff from there. But um, once again, if you haven't already, hit the like button, comment, subscribe. Also, we're on Apple Podcasts, all the podcast platforms you guys are on. All the links and all the uh, the social medias are down to the right-handed corner. So let's go over basic training camp notes that we've seen thus far. Then we'll go into the unofficial depth chart. So the first thing is Jalen Hyatt and Darren Waller. Those are the two main offensive talking points other than Daniel Jones. I'll get to Daniel Jones in a second. Those are the two main talking points in terms of weapons that have gone off the chains in training camp thus far. And wasn't really a surprise to see Darren Waller go off, especially within the first few days of camp. He was the main target. The Giants could not cover him. And he's going to mean a lot this year if he's healthy. He's going to mean a lot this year. A lot of people are saying he's going to be Daniel Jones' number one target, and he's going to be what Plax was to Eli. I'm not throwing any super expectations out there yet because <clears throat> before we've been disappointed as Giant fans. However, Darren Waller is an exciting talent to have. I believe Joe Shane made a great trade, and... As Giant fans, let's hope he's on the field for a lot of games this season because if he's not, I think the offense might take a turn for the worse. So Darren Waller, he's been off the chains. I think he had two catches or three catches today within the uh, joint practices. Armand, what's going on, Armand? Uh, fellow Jeff fan in the chat. But moving on to Jalen Hyatt, the first few days he was struggling, and I know a lot of Giant fans were very, I would say, Middle-middle with the selection, you had your guys that were like, this guy can't run routes, limited offense at Tennessee. And then you had your other guys, all oh, this guy's explosive, first-round talent, Giants got a steal. So I was a little bit on the negative side, and then I, I'm like, you know what? Brian Dable, Joe Shane, I think they're going to find a role for him in this offense and get him to run routes a little bit better and all these different things. And then... First few days of training camp, there wasn't much usage of him. And I'm like, okay, I mean, there's not much pressure anyway, being that Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard, uh, Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins are the receivers in front of him, so there's that. And then the last few days, he went completely off, and he apparently was separating really well and making some nice grabs today. So it continues for Jalen Hyatt to, you know, he's – Continuing to have success. Now, what I will caution you guys with is 
I don't think he's going to look this way in the preseason because I think the offense is going to be vanilla. I think the offense is just going to, you know, it's not going to be the same as what's going to be in the regular season. Shots my big ma- my main man, Big Pat Sports Talk. If you guys haven't already, go subscribe to Big Pat. He is one of the three co-founders of the Big Blue Crew. We're having a big block party, Jets, Giants. Um, I believe October 28th or the 29th is the date. But just wanted to shout out Big Pat. He does a lot of great work. Uh, Shouts to you, my man. So Jalen Hyatt, he's been off the chains. And Daniel Jones, obviously before this practice, which we'll get into when we have Jeremy Reisman on, and even before then and after then a little bit. Daniel Jones has looked really good in camp. And I've been to training camp a lot of times. I went in 2019. And I, even then, when I didn't go to training camp, I was reading reports. 2020, 2021, 2022, I attended some practices. I would say I attended more this year, one in 2019. This was the best camp I thought Daniel Jones has ever had in a single season. Now, of course, camp is only one thing. It's not preseason games. It's not the regular season. It's not the playoffs, and et cetera, et cetera. But Daniel Jones, it is remarkable just to see what he was able to do this training camp, once again, before this practice, with Wink slowly sending the pressure with the pads on. He didn't have too many bad decisions. He was finding open guys, Darren Waller, Paris Campbell, Cole Beasley, name the receivers he was throwing to them. He was spreading the ball around. So that's really exciting. And it just shows you a little prequel or a preview of what this offense could look like. Now, once again, in the preseason games, we'll see what they come up with because it's likely not going to be the game plan for the regular season. What is up, uh, King Chris TV Womp Bag? Make sure you guys hit the like button, subscribe, uh, get your comments. Heard our offense went through it today. Yeah, they didn't look so good, man. They did not look so good. I, w- I will get into that. It's overreaction time of the year. Yes, you are uh, You are correct, my man. True sign of how, how a team is handling adversity. Yeah, listen. I mean, you can note very much so that this offense did not do well today. You can note that. But you can also note this is the first time they're playing against a tougher defense. This is a, you know the first day they're playing against an actual defense that's not their own. And once again, I said this so many times on different shows and Twitter during training camp. I cannot wait till they face another defense so we could have our questions answered. King Chris TV asks, does our offense struggling against the Lions say more about our offense or our defense? Um, it de- honestly, reading to what reading into what I saw today, King Chris, I would say it was just a matter of Daniel Jones' accuracy. Guys were getting open. Daniel Jones was not hitting them. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, Daniel Jones sucks and everything because, once again, this is the first practice where we're going up against another defense and we're trying out our concepts and whatnot. But... Also noting, which we'll get into in a little bit too, is Matt Parrott was the starting right tackle. Evan Neal wasn't. And Aiden Hutchinson would have had one to two sacks. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with this team. But again, I think tomorrow they're going to bounce back. At least I would hope so. And other Giant fans as well. Uh, but keep your comments, questions coming, guys. I mean, definitely share out too. Uh, Matt Parrott over Tyree Phillips at right tackle. I'll get to that before... I get to the interior line, which I think is going to be a big debate subject among Giant fans and all these different uh, content creators. And we just talked about Matt Pear. I find it interesting that he is actually 
the right tackle over Tyree Phillips. Interesting and not interesting at the same time because Tyree Phillips in reps I've seen at training camp, he was getting dominated in one-on-ones. There was one rep where Tamon Fox just bullied his ass into the ground. And Tyree Phillips, though he played solid for the New York Giants last season, is really known more as a guard. You see the height, you see the weight. He's more of an inside guy. He doesn't necessarily have the speed, the foot speed, the athleticism that a guy like Evan Neal or Matt Parrott would have. So that makes a lot of sense that Tyree Phillips is second in line to Matt Parrott as the swing tackle. Um, maybe Tyree Phillips can obviously play out at some other positions. We'll look at the depth chart and we'll find that out. But one of the storylines so far and even continuing today, the no solidified interior offensive line. Josh Zudu, JMS, Glowinski, and Bredesen. Those are your four capable starting interior offensive linemen. Now, on the depth chart, just going to go for a quick glance to that before we actually come back, because we're going to talk about the depth chart in a you know, different segment. Bredesen, JMS, Glowinski, that's left guard to right guard, not counting tackles. It doesn't surprise me. I also think that Zudu should get some playing time this year. and He's been rotating in. They've been rotating a lot of different guys in. JMS at center, Glowinski at right guard, Bredesen at center, Bredesen left guard, Zudu at right guard. A lot of different guys playing a lot of different positions. And you could see that with the backups, too, is they're being versatile, right? Corey Cunningham has been playing tackle and guard. Same thing with Tyree Phillips. Shane Lemieux has been playing center. Jack Anderson has been play playing center. So that speaks to the depth they have. But focusing on the solidified, non-solidified starting offensive line in terms of the interior, this can mean a lot of things, but this can also mean very little. It can mean very little. It's just, okay, we're going to test guys out at different positions and see what's what. Where it means a lot is Mark Lewinsky can be cut next year. He can be cut after this season. So if they're not satisfied with Lewinsky's play in the regular season, this tells me that they might put Zudu in at left guard and Bredesen switches over to right guard. It also tells me that maybe they're not necessarily in a rush to put JMS at center. Now, he did practice primarily with the ones today at center, which is a good thing. You see the Jets... In comparison, they're not placing Joe Tipman as first-team center. Connor McGovern is. But back to the Giants, um, they're not in a rush to put JMS as immediately the first team. You know, you want to work your way there. That's a coaching strategy. A couple more comments I'll get to in the chat. In the words of Iverson, we're talking about practice. You are absolutely correct. The news in camp prior today sounded too good. Some adversity is good. Yeah, listen, man. I mean, we at some point, you have to see the team against other defenses and other you know players and stuff like that and today the giants got knocked down into their own standards whatever you want to put it as they got knocked down back into reality i wish neil was practicing because i feel like he's the biggest x factor on the offense this year you're not wrong my man you're not wrong i think to be fair there's a lot of things that go into it i think that the fact that he may be an X factor, some overstate. I'm not saying you're overstating it, but I think some overstate it because he is the right tackle. He is the right tackle. But however, he was a high draft pick last year. He's made all these adjustments with his weight, frame, stuff like that. And you want him to be the future right tackle, lock him down for a few years, whatever, but he needs to start playing well. Can't be having these tiny little mistakes that he had last year come into this year because the Giants are expected to be a winning football team. They're not being a rebuild team. How did our defense look? Our defense did not look so good. 
I think we'll see. I think we'll see a fight tomorrow. I think it's possible, but then again, Dan Campbell and Brian Dable really want to play it safe. There was some chirping going on, but that's not much of anything. Um, to expand on, I'll expand on this in a couple of minutes when we get to the joint practice takeaways. Also, heard we had a problem setting the edge against the run. Well, you heard correct. Uh, the edge setting was not very good, and that's a problem. That is a problem because I mean, you have Thibodeau, who obviously is a solid run defender. Aziz has not been able to defend the run, and Jihad Ward did not play with the ones. So maybe tomorrow, Jihad Ward gets in it with the ones and you see some sort of an improvement but O'Shane Zimmon has apparently got washed again not a good thing I think backup edge is an X factor on the Giants defense because if one guy goes down you're fucked like I will have a video out tomorrow detailing the backup edge position trust me um some other stuff as well Marcus McKeithen and Ashawn Robinson off the pup list um I think that's big. I think that's big for the New York Giants defense in terms of Ashawn Robinson because he's coming back. Obviously, he had the season-ending injury last year. I think it was a bicep or a tricep injury. But we saw last year when Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams came off the field, they could not navigate in terms of defending the run. Justin Ellis was getting mulled. Henry Mondo was getting bullied. Not good. But Ashawn Robinson, you also have Raheem Nunez-Roches dealing with an injury who's day-to-day. But... I want these guys ready for the regular season. And Ashawn obviously was signed to like seven, eight, nine million dollars a year as a rotational defensive piece, which is fine by me because he's an elite run defender. And that's what the Giants need. Now, in terms of Marcus McKeithen, in terms of Marcus McKeithen, I think he's going to push some people. Not literally, but you look at some of the backup tackle, backup guard spots. He comes in the mix. I don't think he plays this week. I think he plays next week against the Panthers. But if he starts to play well, he's back on track, all these different things. Remember, he was a fifth-round pick last year, tore his ACL at FanFest. He's going to push some people off the roster. McKeithen comes in. You might not see Tyree Phillips on the roster. You might not see Matt Parrott on the roster. Jack Anderson, you might not see him on the roster. There's a couple other different guys coming in and out. You might not see them on the roster. Jack Anderson, because McKeithen can play tackle and guard. Was a guard at UNC. And right now they have him penciled in as the third or fourth team right tackle on the depth chart. So he's going to push some people. He really is. And the Giants, in my opinion, won't be done there. They may get one or two offensive linemen off the waiver wire, but I think they have a solid core in terms of depth and guys that can play multiple different positions. Going to get to some comments here. What is up, uh, MH? No, this is live, my man. This is not a, this is not a premiere. What our pass rush looked today, look like today? Tamon Fox apparently had a sack. Kayvon had a sack. Um, but that's all I heard. Honestly, Marcus is the one I'm waiting to see also. Yes. Yes, uh, Marcus McKeithen. I can't wait to see him. We haven't seen him in a preseason game. And it's not a Met arm sleeve. Uh, MH, it is basketball orange arm sleeve. But I just decided to wear it because, hey, why not? Uh, want back. I don't mean like fight swimming, he- swing helmets, but like some pushing and shoving. Yeah, you know, it's typical in camp when guys get feisty and all that sort of stuff. Been saying we need bigger and stronger edges for this reason. Yeah. And it's going to call into question whether Joe Shane did a good job or not with a backup edge position. The Giants did not draft an edge all throughout this draft. Haba Baldonado, who is the closest thing to being drafted, Giants signed him as an undrafted free agent. I think he could play the run well, but I would have to see myself in the next three weeks against the Jets, the Panthers, and the Lions because he's been getting third, fourth team reps. And to be fair, in my personal opinion, I don't think he should be there. 
I think he should be rotating with the twos and threes because it's not like O'Shane is a perfect edge four, edge five. It's not like Taman Fox is there either. I think you have three edges and then you need two more. And guys who can play special teams too because that's a big factor in this. But we got 13, 14 in the chat right now. Hit the like button, guys, if you haven't already. Comment, subscribe. Keep your questions coming. Um, and then the last one for training camp notes before we get to the unofficial depth chart is cornerbacks outmatched. And you saw a lot of that really keep out today. Trey Hawkins was the best guy. We'll talk about him in a little bit. And I know I didn't really go over him in the training camp notes, but he's been remarkable. Today, he got put up against Amon St. Brown a couple of times. But, I mean, he's been remarkable. I know, obviously, Giant fans are getting PTSD because Radarius Williams was similar, and then he got first-team reps in 2021. But I think this is for real. If he's sticking out against the Lions, other than Amonra St. Brown, he's making pass deflections, interceptions, stuff like that. I think it's real. Now, cornerbacks outmatched in terms of the other guys. I think they might have a problem slowly with depth because Amani Arawarie hasn't been good this camp. I thought he would at least be a solid vet. We'll see him in the preseason games. But Trey Hawkins is over him. Aaron Robinson has yet to come back. Deontay Banks is struggling with release. Adoree Jackson's been okay. So, again, next three weeks, joint practice tomorrow, three preseason games, is going to tell us whether the cornerbacks are outmatched or not. And we're going to start with a takeaway from the unofficial depth chart that a lot of Giant fans reacted to this morning. Johnny Holmes is the starting slot cornerback. Am I freaking out about this? No. Will I freak out about this if he is the starter? Yes, because that means one of two things. First of all, as many of you know, Darnay Holmes has not been good this camp. He's not. He's a solid corner, all right? He's a solid slot corner. He does not fit the man system, as we've seen the last year. Remember against Tennessee, all those penalties, he was holding Kyle Phillips, and they almost made the game-winning kick. Randy Bullock missed. That was the reason we won. Otherwise, Darnay Holmes, all the holding penalties, all the big receptions, he is easily beaten the slot. Everyone last year said, hey, Darnay Holmes is having a great camp, interceptions galore. I said uh, I, would, I would slow down on that. He is facing Richie James and just wait till the regular season. And that, it's not something like, oh, I want to be right. But it just shows he can only play zone. He can only play zone. And then against man, he gets beat. He gets be on rub routes and stuff like that, or he holds. And that's a problem. Now, what do I mean in terms of the freakout part? If he is the starting slot corner, and I don't, I think they just put it on the depth chart just to see, and then the depth chart will change over the next few weeks. But if he is the starting slot corner, I don't think it's anything of a ringing endorsement to Darnay Holmes. I think it would be anything but that. And it's a shot against Cordell Flott saying Cordell Flott is not ready which is a problem because he was a third-round pick last year. I'm not saying he's ready or not ready. We'll see in a couple of weeks what the Giants staff thinks about him. But if he isn't ready, that's a little tough. That's a little tough. That's a little scary, too, because we don't know when Aaron Robinson's coming back. Zion Gilbert is an undrafted free agent. You can't rely on him. So I'm going to stay calm with this whole Darnay Holmes aspect for right now. And then as we get the weeks coming on, and he's still the slot corner, I will, I will see if I'm going to freak out or not. Corners are always compromising. The current NFL can never be perfect. Nope. Flott isn't a slot cornerback. To me, he's better than the, on the outside. I absolutely agree with you. No, I actually agree. Uh, there was some reps last year 
I thought he should have got more reps when certain guys went down, like Adoree Jackson and Fabian Moreau and all these other guys. I thought he should have been a slot, uh, excuse me, outside corner. But if he's good in the slot to them and he's on the field, hey, listen, you know, we'll see what happens. And I think what a lot of people aren't looking into is the amount of defensive alignments Wink could do if Deontay Banks gets better against release. And if he does, and uh, if Trey Hawkins is actually this guy that we're hyping up, and he actually plays to that effect, is the amount of alignments you could do on defense. You could put a Dory in the slot, Cordell on the outside, Trey on the outside, Deontay on the outside. There's a lot of different formations you could do, and then maybe you know Nick McLeod a three safety set. There's a lot of things that you could do, and a lot of things that Wink could do. But it's all on the growth of Trey Hawkins if he's actually that guy that we've been hyping him up as, and also whether or not Deontay Banks will do good. And I think if Deontay Banks isn't great, I think there still will be alignment changes because you want to give Deontay Banks a little slack, even though he's a first-round pick. What up, uh, Disgruntled? Could have had Marcus Peters before he signed in Las Vegas. My opinion is that they did not want to go out there and uh, sign Peters for the reason that he probably would be too much money. I don't know what the contract is looking like, but what's up to uh, Guy Disgruntled? I feel like we're going to need more zone heavy this season with a secondary. I don't know about that. I personally would still stick to man, but if you obviously have Dar- uh, Darnay Holmes as your slot corner or you know you have Deontay Banks struggling, I think a good call for that. So it's going to be up to Wink Martindale to adjust. Hawkins is my lock for corner two. Yeah, I could see that. Um I want Yaya Dia- I wanted Yaya Diaby from uh, Louisville this draft. I forget who he ended up with. I believe it was I forget. I forget. It's not on the top of my head right now, but he was a guy I was looking at. Why is everyone so crazy for Jalen? Jalen Hyatt, well, he's been awesome this camp. He's been awesome this camp. He was awesome today. Also, as I mentioned before, Bredesen, JMS, and Glowinski are the starting interior linemen on the depth chart. You got left guard Bredesen, JMS at center, and Glowinski at right. Jason Pinnock as the starting safety. I think this is big. Now, I don't think there's going to be, oh my God, this guy plays 90% of the snaps on defense. I think it's going to be a rotational type system. Kind of what we saw last year. Um, Is it necessarily a ringing endorsement on Jason Pinnock? I think it is. Is it a shot at Dane Belton? No, but they have to go with who's better right now. And it looks to be Jason Pinnock is better as the strong safety. Dane Belton looks to be a rotational piece in just that. Now, he could get extended snaps, but once again, Jason Pinnock has played well this camp, and he was a smart pickup last year from the New York Jets. A lot of New York Jet fans still regret, or I should say they think that the organization should regret releasing Pinnock because they have a bit of safety debacle themselves. Just some minor stuff as well. Corey Cunningham at second string offensive tackle. That's a little interesting because he's been getting most of the reps at left guard and right guard. But versatility kicking in, as I talked about with the interior offensive line. Josh Azudu at right guard for the second team, at least on the depth chart. It's going to be interchangeable. You look at the depth chart, you look at Azudu right guard two or Cunningham second string offensive tackle. It's not always going to be that way. Because I think when you go to the preseason games, you'll get an alignment that's similar to what we saw in training camp, where Cunningham was the left guard and Tyree Phillips was 
at right guard or you had Wyatt Davis at right tackle. It's not necessarily a set in stone thing. That's why I say giant fans. It is an organized thing to have an unofficial depth chart, but it's not always, you know, it's not always there. How did Owens look today? A lot of people haven't really like, he's had a quiet camp. So I can't really, I can't really speak on that too much. He might honestly not make the roster. In my opinion, if he doesn't start making plays, he might not make the roster or he makes the roster as a special teams guy. And he just is a healthy scratch for at least the first half of the year. Um, how did Pinnock look today? From what I heard, he looked pretty good. In terms of special teams, Gary Brightwell as the kickoff guy, kickoff returns, and then Eric Gray as the punt returner. And back behind those guys, I'll go through it quickly. Khalil Pimpleton behind Eric Gray, Jaden Mickens, Darnay Holmes, Darius Slayton, and then kickoff returns. Uh, Eric Gray is the second guy, Khalil Pimpleton, Jaden Mickens. So Pimpleton and Mickens, they're wide receivers that are really trying to carve out a roster spot for the New York football giants on special teams. Lawrence Cager is the tight end three. This is something I honestly predicted. Now, today he had a minor injury, but it's not too much to cry about because he came back in. But it's just a matter of that tight end position, what the Giants want to do. Do they want a guy that can go out there and block, run block, that is? It depends how many 12 personnel, 13 personnel, 11 personnel they want to do. Darren Waller, obviously he's not a great blocker. As receiving threat, we already know. Daniel Bellinger, solid receiving threat, a great blocker. The Giants, if they want to go more pass heavy, I would say they keep Lawrence Cadrum. Right now, it's leaning towards that direction. If they want to go more run heavy, which I don't think they'll do, or else they would not have invested in the wide receiver room for certain reasons, They'll probably go with Tommy Sweeney or they'll go with Chris Myrick. But right now, I think it's Lawrence Cager as the depth chart depicts. He was getting a lot of reps with the twos, and he also got reps with the ones a few days ago in practice. So that tells you they're very high on Lawrence Cager, despite him being left out of the lineup towards the back half of last year because of Nick Vanette coming in. Tanner Hudson was also a part of the team. So they want to keep third tight end not a carousel, for lack of better words. Um, Shepard made any plays. He's looked he's look good. He's looked good, Sterling Shepard. Uh, today, he made a couple of nice catches, and uh, he also ran a really good route, but Cam Sutton was right there for it. Cam Sutton was right there for it. That's how well the Detroit defense played. Darian Beavers is the linebacker, too. Apparently, he didn't do well today. Micah McFadden was doing better than him, so... Again, that's just an ongoing battle to watch. And Beavers, we have to remember, is coming off of a torn ACL. And yeah, he is technically a rookie because last year he did not play in any regular season games. But then again, it's the survival of the fittest. Beavers is going to make the rosters, just whether he's going to get more playing time or less playing time than Micah McFadden next to Bobby Okereke at the mic spot. Jordan Riley as the D-line five. Why do I remark this? Because Ryder Anderson is out with an injury. Mark Lewinsky pancaked him, and he is out for a couple of weeks. Now, whether the Giants will cut him or not, I cannot tell you. But that gives an inside track to some of these guys making the roster. Right now, you probably have four guys 
on the D-line in the interior, making the roster. Dexter Lawrence, obviously, Leonard Williams, Nacho, and Ashawn Robinson. You need probably a fifth guy. DJ Davidson is still on Pup. If he's not back in time, he probably goes to Pup in the regular season, which means that creates a hole for somebody to make the roster. Now, they could probably sit there and say, okay, well, if DJ Davidson's only going to be out for the first six games, so I think that's what the pup rule states, then we could just have a random backup like Donovan Jeter or Kobe Smith play the interior, and then when Davidson comes back, we cut him, and that's that. But I think also they could say, you know, first couple of games, DJ Davidson on pup, Jordan Riley comes back, then they bring Davidson back, put Riley either on the practice squad and cut him, or they just say, look, you're a healthy scratch. But I think Jordan Riley, I'm really looking at him. I'm really looking at him with the preseason games coming up and the joint practices because he's not a guy that offers a ton. He is supposed to be a run stuffer. He had a couple of different colleges that he went to. I think it was at least four, Nebraska, Oregon, NC State, or North Carolina in general. And then there was Garden State College. So he's four different colleges, ton of experience in the last two years. So we'll see what happens in regards to him. Um, Riley has size and strength with Dex mentorship. He can actually become something. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not necessarily the uh, in terms of being a monster like Dex is, but I think he could, you know, turn into something. Uh, rotational piece. That's what the Giants need, a run stuffer. And that's why he was drafted over a couple of different guys that maybe we wanted at the time. I know I, he was drafted over Baltanato, and I was like, well, they could get Baltanato here, but they didn't. But um, we'll see what Jordan Riley. Uh, he's going to be one of the players that I actually watch through the preseason. And Ziminez at edge four, Tamon Fox at edge five. Going to be interesting. That's technically the same core they had last year. Aziz, Kayvon, Jahad Ward. But as some of you guys brought up in the chat, it's going to be interesting, and interesting maybe not in a good way because Simenez got blown off his ass against the run today. The Giants need guys that can defend the run. Jihad Ward is not going to be there every single rep to defend the run. Ojolari, he's not good at defending the run. Kayvon, yes, but you need somebody else. Who's going to step up and be that edge setter? Is it going to be Baldonado? Is it going to be Deshaun Bauer? Is it going to be Taman Fox? Those are a couple of things that we're going to get answered over the next three weeks. But it does say something that Zimenez is at edge four. They signed him a one-year contract, and we'll see what happens with him. But right now, he is one of the leading guys to get a backup edge roll, plus special teams. And then also as well, Nick McLeod at free safety two, which is interesting because I was watching a couple of different content creators, and they said today – that there was a couple of reps where you saw one defensive lineman, a couple of linebackers, and a couple of safeties. Dane Belton and Bobby McCain being those safeties with the ones, which doesn't necessarily create a clear story because McLeod, for most of camp that I saw, was playing with the threes as safety. At corner, he was doing one-on-ones. He played well. A lot of people see him as slow, so that's why he would likely fit into the safety role. He had an interception today, but going to be a battle. Going to be a battle. That's why the Giants' depth chart isn't necessarily something to completely listen to. 
Bobby McCain was ahead at safety in camp before today. Dane Belton, ahead of McLeod. McLeod got a ton of experience last year. So it's going to be up to the coaching staff. It's going to be up to the coaching staff. This edge room scares the hell out of me. The depth behind, um, the, was it? The depth behind Aziz and Kayvon and Jihad scare the hell out of me because, again, I'll get into that much more tomorrow in a video. I feel like we're going to pick up an edge from another team after final cuts. The waiver wire is going to be an interesting time um, because I think you'll probably maybe get an edge there. I think they get another linebacker because I don't see Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown along with Troy Brown and Deontay Johnson. I don't see those guys being backups. I feel like you need someone with at least solid experience. Now, Deion Jones is gone. There's a couple other guys on the market, other guys that get cut from other teams. So, once again, yeah, you know, I think they need to go out and get another linebacker, another edge, maybe another position that we're not thinking of, maybe a tight end. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there in terms of speculation. But um, to move on, Real quickly, before we get Jeremy on in a couple of minutes, joint practice notes. So here's where we'll get to today. Daniel Jones had a rough day and missed multiple throws. Connor Hughes counted 5 for 12, and Bobby Skinner, I think, counted 7 for 13 or 6 for 13. Not a great day for Daniel Jones. Now, again, you have to keep in mind that this is the first time they're facing another defense. Daniel Jones has been good all camp. Now, what were the issues? Accuracy. It's not necessarily decision-making, but he was not hitting his guys. He almost threw an interception to C.J. Gardner-Johnson, but decision-making was not the flaw of today. It was accuracy, which can be coached and worked over time. Yeah, it's a random issue that popped out, but again, he saw the same defense for a few days. If in the preseason he plays and we see this issue, then it's a concern. But as long as he's ready, and so are the weapons by week one, I don't have an issue with it. I don't have an issue with it. A couple of drops by the wide receivers, though the wide receivers were getting open. I think Darren Waller had a drop, but he got he got a couple of receptions. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, not a ton of separation, but a couple of catches there. Jalen Hyatt, we talked about. He also drew a penalty, which Hyatt continues continues to stand out against teams um really first second third teams and any defense he plays so once again i'm excited for the games but i'm not at the same time because i don't think these deep routes and these concepts that they really have for jalen hyatt i don't think they're going to be exposed in the preseason games if they are then i will be really excited to see jalen hyatt uh aiden hutchinson dominated with two sacks against matt parrott that doesn't surprise me because Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a stud in this league if he keeps growing in his game. And Matt Parrott is a backup. That's a guy you don't want starting a game if you face a tough edge. Demarcus Lawrence in week one. A couple other guys we faced this season, Carl Lawson. Um, Parrott is just, in my opinion, light in the chest. And his punch and all that sort of stuff is the same issue. That's... You know, he's been facing since his rookie year. Now, obviously, they're not going to invest on working on it a ton because he is a backup. He is going for a backup role. I want to see what happens maybe in the game. I don't think Evan Neal will play on Friday. But I want to see what happens in the game if they elect to play their starters and see how Parrott goes 
against some of these other guys because it's not just Aiden Hutchinson, it's Julian O'Quara, it's some of these other cats too. Deontay Banks struggling with release. That's not necessarily a shock. Apparently, he didn't have a terrible day, but he didn't have a good day either. Again, it's a release issue. It's something we've seen all camp. He's gotten better on certain days, but again, it's just going to be how is he doing in these preseason games. I think if you don't play a Dory Jackson this week against the Lions in the game, I think Deontay Banks should see reps either way. I think he should see reps in all three games personally because you want to get him as many reps against these defense against these NFL wide receivers, whether they're starters or not, and then get him prepared for week one and then make your decision. Is Trey Hawkins going to get the majority of reps or is it going to be Deontay Banks? So those are some questions to really put out there. Jihad is still in the league. Good shit. Yeah, Jihad Ward has been with the Giants for the last two years. Uh, he's a really good run defender. His pass rush isn't great, though. But also, as well, he did have three sacks last year, which tied his career high against uh, when he was with the Colts, actually. Edge, linebacker, and corner. I can see corner being something the Giants pick up. Colin Johnson made a nest. Excuse me. Colin Johnson made a nice catch. I saw. Yep, that is correct. Colin Johnson did make a nice grab in the end zone against. I uh, forget what his name was. Uh, Starling Thomas the fifth. Starling Thomas the fifth. That which would be another takeaway. Colin Johnson. He's had a solid camp. I don't think it was. You know, it's as far fiery as last year. But Colin Johnson, I think, has another opportunity in these preseason games to try to make a roster spot. And I said it in the Bryce Ford Wheaton roster bubble video. I would take Colin Johnson over Bryce Ford Wheaton because he knows the system. He's got a little bit of speed to him. Doesn't really have drop issues. And he's a better seller of his routes than Bryce Ford Wheaton. And I'm not saying you know anything against Bryce Ford Wheaton. I'm just saying the facts. And you could develop Bryce Ford Wheaton on the practice squad unless another team picks him up. And if another team picks him up, great. That's their job to develop them, not the New York Giants. Darnay Holmes looked bad versus Khalif Raymond. You guys know the name Khalif Raymond it was actually a former giant. If you guys remember 2017, they picked him up. And then 2018 in the preseason, he was competing for a kick return and punt return role with Hunter Sharp. Both of them did not make the roster. And Raymond went on to a couple of different rosters before finding a home, I think in 2019 or 2020 with the Lions. And he's really fit in there. He's really fit in there. So I'm proud of Khalif Raymond. Shout-outs to him, man. Shout-outs to him. I want to see Johnson make it. He has hands, and we need that. Yeah, listen, Johnson really doesn't drop the football. Saw last year there was a pass in that Bengals game where Jones had a tight window throw to Johnson, and he was bobbling it, but he still made the catch. He's just a solid guy to have on your roster, Colin Johnson. Uh, but Darnay Holmes looking bad. That's no surprise to anyone. Raymond is a speedster, but again, Darnay Holmes has not had a good camp. I think the Giants need to bolster the competition, whether it's Cordell Flott being coached up, Aaron Robinson coming back, or another corner. That's that. Interior run defense, good. Exterior run defense, bad. Interior run defense, good. That's a good thing, right? You know, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence doing their thing. When it got to the twos and threes, though, from what we hear, it didn't look good. Nacho not on the field. Sean Robinson not on the field. So we're talking about edge. We're talking about linebacker. Honestly, fifth defensive tackle might be a thing the New York Giants look for the waiver wire. Unless someone 
rises from the mist in these preseason games against the run. But that's another thing to look for. Um, in terms of exterior run defense, I meant the edges. That's not a good thing. Going back to the linebackers, Kayvon, Aziz, Jihad, whoever, whatever the situation is, defending the run is going to be big. Defending the run is going to be big because I know Tony Pollard's come back from injury. That's what we're going to see week one. And then Deuce Vaughn, who's a speedster, who's looked really good in Cowboys camp. But the Giants cannot have another year where defending the run is their weakness. They've upgraded a linebacker, sure, with Bobby Okereke, a couple of guys working in there. But to the edge setting, this is a problem the Giants have had for years. And I think that possibly could be a place where Haba Baldonado, I'm the only guy speaking on his behalf for him in terms of hyping him up, but I think he could set the edge in terms of first team, second team, third team. Once again, I could be proven wrong. Uh, last O-line, Josh Azudu, JMS, and Bredesen. It's just a matter of rotating guys. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But going back to my point earlier, it shows that they're not really scared to pull Glowinski if he's bad. Nick McLeod with an interception. Talked about that. And then Lawrence Cager and Paris Campbell both got injured. Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell hobbled off the field, came back on. Lawrence Cager apparently took a late hit. And then came back on either way. So not many major injuries for the New York Giants out of practice here. And Trey Hawkins, dominant today, struggled versus Amonra St. Brown. No surprise there. Uh, Amonra St. Brown is one of the best receivers in the league. I think he's going to get more recognition this year because I think the Lions are going to be a better team. I really think they are. But Trey Hawkins, dominating, no surprise I want to see him in all three preseason games. I don't care what the situation is. Him, Deontay Banks, Darnay Holmes. You don't have to put a Dory Jackson out there, but at least put out Deontay Banks, Trey Hawkins, and let that slot corner role resolve itself. Whoever plays better, and if they both play bad, to the waiver wire you go. Wait, so the Cowboys are pairing a small running back coming off an injury with a middle school kid, LOL. I mean, we'll see how Sunil feels about that. Sunil, obviously a loyal supporter of the channel and a Cowboys fan. But, yeah, that's at least what they're looking like to pair. Can Banks play the slot? I think he can, but I think he's primarily outside. He is primarily outside in terms of that. Um, see if I got any other notes, guys. Keep piling in your questions here. But, yeah, I feel like the Lions are a playoff caliber team, so I'm glad we're practicing against them. Yeah. Uh, last year was against the Jets, this year against the Lions, and then the Panthers, they're likely a rebuilding team, a team with Frank Reich, new head coach. And then we get to face the Jets in week three. Aaron Rodgers is not going to play, but they might have Zach Wilson or any other backup go with the ones. So it's going to be quite interesting. But before Jeremy comes on um, as we wait for him, here are some players I'm excited to see Friday. Running back Eric Gray. I can't wait to see him because I think he's going to get the majority of the running back reps and on the return team as the punt returner. Giants need a punt returner badly. Richie James, he's in Kansas City right now. So you got Eric Gray, who's there and all that. And I don't think they'll play Matt Breida a ton. What's the benefit of playing Matt Breida? What are you going to see that you don't already know? Trey Hawkins, talked about him. I want to see him in all three preseason games. I want to see him go up against tougher receivers, speedier receivers. He's a solid guy in terms of length, in terms of frame and stuff like that. He's a physical guy. 
But we have to see whether he is up for the test, whether he can play serious snaps in week one, or we have to wait a few weeks. Cordell Flott. Slot corner is far from resolved. Apparently, he did okay today in terms of the Giants' depth chart. They obviously list Darnay Holmes ahead of him. So whether he takes that as serious or not, needs to work it up. He obviously beefed up this offseason. Now, play well in the slot. Everyone is rooting for Cordell Flott to win, or at least most people. Now, of course, as a fan, you would root for the best player to win. But we've seen what Darnay Holmes is like. We want to see what Cordell Flott is like, and hopefully he wins the job. Darian Beavers didn't look so great from what I hear in practice today, but I want to see him. I want to see what he looks like. I think he'll probably get Mike reps. I don't think it's going to be Okereke this week because of the joint practice and you know, week one of the preseason. A lot of these different teams don't play their starters. But I want to see Darian Beavers. I want to see what he looks like, see if he's in similar shape to last year. Obviously, yes, he's coming off of an injury. And Colin Johnson, I think Tyrod Taylor, in my opinion, will start this week. And Colin Johnson's going to be out there battling with guys like David Sills, Jaden Mickens, Khalil Pimbleton. Cole Beasley is another guy that we're going to talk about in just a second. But Colin Johnson, I want to see what he looks like. He looked solid today, caught a touchdown from Tyrod. He's a tall guy with speed. I think he could fit in as a sixth, seventh receiver. And then real quickly, actually, you know what? We'll save that for afterwards but with that being said we're going to transition over and we got jeremy let me just hold on one second we got jeremy reisman of uh pride of detroit who actually saw practice today jeremy what's going on how you doing man i'm i'm doing well i'm actually i'm technically in still in the lions facility here in their little soundproof room but uh yeah it was a fun day of practice here and uh, i always love joint practices there's kind of controlled chaos I, I have a a notebook about 10 notes long and so um happy to share whatever i can with you although uh my, my things are very, you know, lion centric. So I don't know how much I can tell you about individual Giants players, but I can tell you kind of the, the gist of what happened today. Of course. Um, so uh, Connor Hughes, who is a beat reporter for the New York Giants yeah. since last year, uh, may, many of his tweets were, and it's truthful too. Daniel Jones was obviously missing guys or whatever. And then, you know, there were obviously some fans taking off of that. <laughs> and I saw them coming to your Twitter feed and saying, you know, is this what really happened? And then you kind of stepped in and said, well, both sides had their stretches today. Yeah. What did you see from both teams where they had their stretches in specific periods? I know, obviously, it's fine. You're going to be more Lions-centric. We obviously sure. like to get to the other side, um, getting you know, the Detroit, Detroit Lions aspect. But what did you see today? Yeah, I would say I, I spent most of the day watching the Lions offense versus the Giants defense. I try to, you know, when I can, see the, the reps on the other side of the field. But um, I thought the line started really, really strong, especially on one-on-ones when it came to receivers versus defensive backs. Um, Amon Ra was was pretty dominant and kind of set the tone on the very first one-on-one rep. By, I believe it was Deontay Banks beating him on a deep shot. Um, but then it kind of evened out as as practice went on. Um, I, I think I think where the Giants really shined on both sides of the field was the interior of, of both lines. I, I thought the lines couldn't get much going on the ground all day. And, and then I saw, you know, a couple big runs uh, on the giant side of the field. So, um, you know, that's, that's where I think the giant, the, the, the field kind of tilted in the giant's favor um, on, on the deep shots on, on the secondary versus the, the receivers. I think the the perimeter stuff, I think basically favored the lions, which is consistent with what we've seen at lions camp um, is that, you know, the, the corners and, and wide receivers are, are, are really going at it each 
practice. So not surprising for me to see those guys kind of excel today during practice as well. King Chris says, I'm excited to see Hawkins, Banks, Neil McFadden, Hyatt, Beavers, and Flott. And uh, he said, well, he, as Jeremy mentioned, the interior of the uh, D-line and the O-line, and also same as I, same as I heard. And uh, different to that, I also heard speaking, because obviously you were uh, focusing on the, the Lions offense as well, even though, though it would, this would be more of a Giants offense-centric point, is that Aiden Hutchinson was a big wreck in the yeah. backfield for the Giants today. Um, but moving on to also practice stuff and also some preview stuff, what do you think is the plan for the running back position for the Lions? They let Jamal Williams walk to the Saints. They drafted Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, who's a former starter with the Chicago Bears, your guys' rival. What do you think the plan is at running back? I think I really look to Alvin Kamara's rookie season with the Saints, and I think that is the model for what they want to do. Like They got Jameer Gibbs. He's going to be their Alvin Kamara, where he gets maybe half of the carries that David Montgomery does but he's capable of catching 60, 70, 80 balls. Like, I think that's the plan. We've seen Jameer Gibbs rep with the wide receivers during individual drills, just to kind of give you a sense of how they view him as that offensive weapon. You know, they, they keep fighting against the, well, yeah, we technically drafted a running back in the first round, but we view him more as an offensive weapon, which, uh, it, it, you know, there's some truth to that. Some of it is like, all right, we're you're, you're just trying to skirt the issue here. But um, yeah, I think, I think David Montgomery is still going to kind of be your, quote unquote, every down back, but obviously Jameer Gibbs is going to get the ball plenty running the ball as well. But I think, I think what they really like about Jameer Gibbs is his receiving. So we're going to see him catch a lot of balls this year. Yeah, I would definitely look out for that. And I know a lot of people have already said draft Jameer Gibbs in fantasy. So yeah, uh, I think the, had a big, the... had a big day in camp too. He had two red zone touchdowns on one on a screen pass that, that did get flagged for something, you know, you don't really hear what the flag was. And then, uh, caught a, caught one in the flats that I think had the, the giants, uh, eating on the play action there so um yeah he's he's gonna be a weapon yeah and from what i got from other giants people as well and this obviously once again speaks to more of a offense of lions standpoint is that jameer gibbs or specifically the lions run game had more success outside the tackles mm -hmm. um which unfortunately doesn't speak well for us but it speaks well for you guys as a plowing offensive line and uh, top unit in this league um moving on to the next question what is the X factor for the Lions this season in terms of taking the next step? Yeah, I mean, it has to be the the secondary, right? That they, they put so many resources into that secondary this offseason, getting C.J. Gardner, Johnson, getting Cameron Sutton. Uh, we haven't seen Emmanuel Mosley yet as he still rehabs from his uh, torn ACL, but they draft Brian Branch in the second round, and he's already kind of thrust his way into the starting lineup. Um, this was a, you know, a bottom tier pass off or pass defense last year, and and basically everything they've done in the off season, like they added two or three or four, maybe even four starters um, by, by the end of this to their secondary. And so, um, you know, the, the defensive pressure started to kind of increase as last season went on. James Houston kind of became a, a menace. Aiden Hutchinson got better as his rookie season went on. So really everything is kind of directed towards that pass defense being much better this year. Um, and if that happens, like th this could be, you know, one of the more well-rounded teams in the NFL. I still have concerns about their run defense. And that again, showed up today in practice a little bit. Um, but if they can, if, if they can even just improve kind of that pass defense aspect of their team, um, I think it could, it could propel this team from good to potentially great. CJ got her early, but now he's back. And from what I hear, I don't know how true this is, sure. but he was doing some, uh, 
some smack talking at a former lion, now giant Amani Oruwariye, talking about his coverage skills, which um, obviously I know he's a backup in this league. He wasn't a very good starter last year. And I remember, I think I even asked you that last yeah. year when we were doing our uh, little discussion before the Giants-Lions game. How has Jack Campbell looked so far? This is a very good question because I love Jack Campbell coming out. And one of my questions that I can actually move to now is, how much of that Mike role is he going to take or is it going to be half and half between him and Alex Anzalone? Yeah, I mean, I think the eventual plan is, is Jack Campbell is going to be that long-term Mike linebacker. But I, I would say it's coming along slowly a little bit. You know, it, it, that's that's a lot of responsibility. And the Lions are pretty much only repping him at the Mike, sometime with the ones, sometime with the twos. And I think they're just they're trying not to overload him because that is such a, a huge responsibility in this defense. That's such a huge responsibility for a rookie. So, um Actually, you know, Derek Barnes, a, a third-year linebacker who, who didn't play a ton of linebacker at Purdue, he's more of an edge guy. He's been getting a lot of first-team reps, and even today he got, I, I would say, more first-team reps than Jack Campbell. I think they, they're pulling back a little bit on Jack Campbell. And, you know, some Lions fans will probably panic when they hear something like that. They say, we spent, you know, a first-round pick on a linebacker. You, you only do that if you're sure on a guy. But I think they're they're not panicking in, in, inside this building. I think they're thinking – this is a long-term guy that is going to start for us for, for 10, 15 years. Let's not overburden him. Let's not put him out there in, in a position to fail, you know, do whatever to his psyche. Like, let's just take him along slowly. We're, we're confident in, in who we have behind him and in, in Alex Anzalone and Derek Barnes and, and last year's rookie sensation, Malcolm Rodriguez. I think they're comfortable with their depth right now. And so if, if we get to week one and, and, and he's not starting – I don't think that's necessarily going to be a bad thing uh, for him. And I, I think the Lions are, are just protecting him until he's ready. Yeah, definitely. And going back to last year's draft class, just another question. Who are you expecting a step up for, from in regards to, once again, last year's draft class? Yeah, I think Josh Pascal is kind of the guy that I'm circling. Like, the Lions got a lot of contributions from that rookie class. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously runner up in, in defensive rookie of the year. Kirby Joseph had four or five interceptions. James Houston had eight sacks, a, a six round pick. So um, it, it, it'd be tough to pick any of those guys because they were so good in their rookie seasons. Uh, but Josh Pascal is a guy who they drafted in, the, I believe it was, it was either second or third round um, dealing with a, an injury coming um, out of college. So had a slow start to the season, already been a more disruptive player uh, in training camp than, than we saw all of last year. So um, the lines have a, a decent rotation of edge guys that can kind of slide inside guys like John Kaminsky and, and Josh Pascal is one of those guys where I think you could see him take a jump and, and, and be a, a significant contributor on, on a defensive front that I think we expect to be a lot better this year. And Chris says, yeah, that's the mindset. I think we should have with Deontay Banks. Yeah. I mean, listen, as long as the, the defense is growing and all that sort of stuff and uh, Trey Hawkins has been a standout for us right now. So if it's one of those two, I particularly don't mind. Is there a particular undrafted free agent you're looking for to watch. And I know obviously it's still a growing program over in Detroit, but there are expectations to step up and more proven players than growing players. But is there a particular undrafted free agent you're looking to watch through these practices in the preseason? Yeah. I mean, I, I can give you two standouts that I think have a, a really good shot at making the roster with how they've played so far. Uh, one is Starling Thomas, the fifth, uh, an outside cornerback who has been consistently repping with the second team and consistently making plays. He's also a guy that, that very much like CJ Gardner Johnson is going to let you know when he's broken up a pass or when he's gotten in your face, like he is, he's got that kind of mentality that, that 
you know, Dan Campbell is absolutely in, in, in love with. So I think he has a really good chance to make the roster. He's also incredibly fast. I think he ran in the four threes. Um, so he's probably going to be a, a gunner on special teams too. Um, and then Dylan Drummond, um, a guy that I'm sure no one has really heard of. He's a local guy, uh, went to central, he was either central Eastern Michigan. Um, didn't, wasn't even a priority. Wasn't, wasn't drafted on draft night. Wasn't, um, wasn't one of the priority UDFAs, wasn't signed after the draft. He came in for a, a rookie minicamp and, and found his way onto the roster there. And he has just been slowly working his way up the wide receiver depth chart. And given that there's some guys that are injuries injured here, guys like Denzel Mims and, and some other guys, um, he's been taking number two reps and, and he was kind of a menace during team drills uh, today. I, I had him down with four or five or six catches um, in, in, in team drills. And so um, he's a guy that, that, you know, Jared Goff said he's st- doing everything right. And, and, and Dan Campbell, who isn't a guy who just supports his players. Like he'll say, he'll say it how it is. And he said the same thing about Dylan Drummond. Like he's doing everything right. And we can't ignore how he's been playing at training camp. So um, given, you know, that the JMO suspension and, and some of the injuries the lines are dealing with right now, I think he has a real shot at the roster. Another question from the chat. Mr. Angry John says, has there anyone in camp that you've been disappointed with for the Detroit Lions? Yeah, of course. Um, I think, I think, the Lions have, have lacked offensive line depth um, pretty much anywhere. And, and Dan Campbell also said that straight out. Like there's, there's been no one who's kind of separated themselves. So the, I think there's a little bit of a concern that if, if the Lions incur any sort of injury on the offensive line, they're going to be in trouble. Um, man, I, <laughs> there, there's on, on defense. I would, I would say Jack Campbell falls under that category, not to a point where I'm, I'm panicking about his development or anything like that, but I think it, it's certainly uh, disappointing how he's played so far. And then, the, the Aquara brothers, um, who I, I'm sure you guys are familiar with, Romeo, who, who went on to have a, a pretty solid career here in Detroit for a few years after the Giants let him go. Um, he's coming off an Achilles, but, um, you know, it, it's now over a year in, in, in the rearview mirror, and, and it doesn't necessarily look he has a, like that spark that he used to. And then his brother, younger brother, Julian, um, it's year three. Uh, maybe No, it's actually year four of Julian Aquara, and um, – he's trending towards not even making the team at this point, just because um, injuries have kind of been a, a nuisance for him. And, um, you know, he, he hasn't developed into the full player that I think the lines were expecting him. He's, he's a decent pass rusher, but he's not as good as James Houston in that aspect. And then, you know, they're really trying to make him kind of an off ball linebacker as well. And the coverage thing is just not clicking with him right now. So um, I'd say that's, that's kind of the story on, on, defense offensively speaking i mentioned it with the joint practices today but it's really been an issue all camp i have not seen the lions run game really get off the ground which is which would be a huge disappointment that they, they finished 11 in rushing, 11th in rushing yards last year and a lot of people think they upgraded their running backs last you know this offseason they're healthier on the offensive line so the fact that that hasn't come off the ground yet i think is a little bit disappointing but maybe you know once we're into live tackling of preseason games uh, we see a little bit of growth there yeah, definitely. And you were just speaking on the Aquara brothers, and that kind of equate to this next question is, which roster bubble players need a boost, not just through these practices, not just through the game this Friday, but the other two following that? Yeah, I think um, one of them is, is probably Denzel Mims, um, you know, a, lot, a late Lions edition this this training camp. He's, he's been injured, and so I'm not sure if he's, he's going to play at all this week. He didn't play today. I would probably put him doubtful for uh, – for uh, the, the preseason finale, but um, the Lions have that open competition. I mean, the reason I'm talking about Dylan Drummond, an undrafted rookie winning a, a job, is that Lions don't have a lot beyond their their top four, and, and, and 
you could probably also throw Jameson Williams in, in the maybe the disappointing start so far. But, you know, this is the first time he's practicing really in, 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 a, in a long time here. So um, other other bubble guys, you know, I, I would say even James Houston, you know, a, a lot of people learned who he is last year because he had eight sacks in, in the last seven games of the season or whatever, but he's another guy they're challenging to do more to his game, um, drop back into coverage, be more of a linebacker. And he actually has some linebacker um, experience back when he was with uh, the Florida Gators, but uh, eventually uh, Deion Sanders, when, when he went to uh, an HBCU was like, no, you're playing edge. And so now he's back to doing a little bit of both. And, and it, that, that's a tough transition for a guy who, just dominated um, his last year of college as, as an edge rusher. So he, he needs to kind of pick things up here in the in the next two or three weeks here. Yeah, we got uh, three more questions, and then well, including the one in the chat. What are some key position battles being fought out right now? You did mention that Dan Campbell is not really impressed with the backup offensive lines for depth. What are some other positions being fought for? Yeah, um, well, there, there, there's a starting right guard job up for grabs as well. Halapuli Vati Vaitai is kind of the presumed starter, but the Lions added Graham Glasgow. Uh, we brought him back after they drafted him, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago. Um, the, the interesting part about that uh, battle is that Frank Ragnow, the, the team's starting center, has been in and out of, of training camp, wasn't practicing today, which forced Graham to play center, which is something he's capable of doing, but it's also taking him away from the the battle that he's having to, to start at right guard. Um, so I think that's kind of one of the more intriguing ones. One that we're interested in but hasn't really gotten off the ground yet is Emmanuel Mosley versus Jerry Jacobs as kind of the starting outside corner. But again, because Emmanuel Mosley is still rehabbing from his ACL, um, that's Jerry Jacobs' job to, to lose. And then I would say when, when you get to like the depth parts, there's also a kicker battle, if that's interesting to anybody. Um that's kind of been neck and neck, but the interesting thing about that is they, they picked up Parker Romo, who was an XFL star this year, um, came off. Uh, I think he only missed two or three field goals all season for the XFL. Um, and he's got a huge leg. Uh, he can, he can kick like 65 and beyond. Um, but it's just a manner of like getting it under control, um, versus Riley Patterson, a guy that the Lions actually cut last year, but brought back after a successful se- season with the Jaguars. So, um, yeah, I, I think those are kind of the main camp battles. Most of the starting positions uh, are, are really kind of a- accounted for. Um, I, I mentioned Derek Barnes and Jack Campbell kind of starting for that um, that Mike linebacker role. But um, other than that, I think that's that's where the Lions uh, roster currently stands. King Chris asks, has Jack Campbell's athleticism been more the reason that he's disappointed thus far? No, I, I think it's it's just a processing thing. It, it's It's, you know, learning everything. Uh, that's expected of him and, and, and getting like having all that on your, in your mind while also just listening to your football instincts. I think he's a guy that does have good football instincts, but you, you can tell maybe he's a little bit mentally overloaded right now, which is why the lines might be pulling back his reps a little bit. I think the lines are actually really, really impressed with his athleticism. And I think that's part of the reason they brought him because not a lot of, you know, 255, 260 linebackers can move like he does um, and, and drop into coverage occasionally. But um that that ne- that hasn't necessarily been translating to the game yet, and some of that people, you know, people said that when they looked at his film, they're like, I don't know if the the speed that I'm seeing in these combine scores are translating to the film. Um, I think some of that right now though is just a, a matter of being a little bit overloaded with with information, and so once kind of the game slows down for him a little bit, I think the athleticism will kick in, and and they'll be happy with that. Yeah, definitely. And then last question, um, 
Is there any particular player on the Giants, whether you just know him by name or saw through practice today, you're looking to go up against any particular Lions player, whether it be tomorrow in practice or the game on Friday? Well, I, th- I think Darren Waller had a really good practice today, and and I'd, I'd love for the Lions to figure out what to do there because covering tight ends has kind of been a, an issue um, dating years and years and years back. And, and part of it is what I just said. like um, they, their, their linebackers aren't, aren't great in coverage, but I don't know a lot of linebackers who, could, who can cover Darren Waller one-on-one. So maybe maybe it's putting a guy like Brian Branch, their second-round pick, and a, a slot guy on him um, because Brian Branch has been very good in, in, in one-on-one drills in, in Lions camp. So Given that I'm going to kind of turn my focus to the defense a little bit more tomorrow, I think that's something that I'm I'm going to look for is, and I'm sure it's something the lines are going to spend you know the next 24 hours um, figuring out how how do we got how do we defend a guy like Darren Waller because they're you know that's that's kind of one of the new twists in in, in the NFL today is like if you get one of those top five top six top seven tight ends in the league. They're, they're a nightmare matchup, and so the Lions are going to have to figure out how to defend that for the year, and, and I think they're going to do some research on that tonight. What's up to Cavs, Jacob, in the chat? And also, to add on to that as well, um, you got Travis Kelsey in week one. Right. That is, yeah. that is, that is no Good easy point. matchup for any linebacker, safety, or corner. Heard uh, we had a problem against Laporta today. Apparently, Micah McFadden was okay. Good and run against the pass. He gave up a couple, and then I think pretty sure had a, a pass interference penalty against Sam Laporta. How has he done? Yeah, mostly. I mean, I would say when we're talking about the first team lines offense, the the, the weapons that, you know, have been most, most lethal for the last two weeks have been Amon Ross St. Brown, who cannot be stopped apparently. And, and Sam Laporta is, is right behind him at, at two. And, you know, it's been up and down. It hasn't been perfect for Sam Laporta, but he's clearly starting to develop a chemistry with Jared Goff. Um, we know from, from the Hawkinson days that Jared Goff does love kind of building a chemistry with that tight end, using him as a, maybe a security blanket, but, but Sam Laporta has a little bit more than that. It's not just, you know, curls and, and, and flat routes. He's a guy that can, that can get vertical. And we've seen a little bit of that too. So I would say he's been, Maybe, maybe arguably the best rookie the Lions have, have seen out, outside of Brian Branch. Brian Branch. I think Brian Branch has been the most impressive rookie so far, but I, I would put Sam Laporta not too far behind that. Yeah, definitely. And then last thing, uh, where can people find you in your work? Yeah, uh, prideofdetroit.com. Um, if, if you're interested in, in you know podcasting forums, I already have a, a podcast out on today's practice. Again, it's it's going to be mostly a, a Lions point of view, but if you, I, I think it was as balanced as I could possibly give it, maybe without um, naming a, a ton of Giants players. Um, but yeah, uh, prideofdetroit.com. You can follow me right here, Detroit Online on Twitter. And uh, and yeah, that's about it. I'm going to have one more segment, but Jeremy, I appreciate you taking the time still at the facility, uh, <laughs> giving us some insight on the Detroit Lions and overall today's practice. My man, appreciate it. We'll see how Friday and tomorrow goes as well. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, no problem, man. All right, so got one more segment to clean up before we head out of here. I uh, just wanted to go over one thing real quick that was the bubble players to watch for Friday and really through these practices too. Number one is O'Shane Zimenez. I talked about him being the edge four beforehand on the depth chart. And uh, in terms of that, he does not play the run well, but he is a solid pass rusher. Though he's only a speed rusher, so he really hasn't worked on his frame in terms of power. seems like his rush moves are limited, but I think he's going to be a player to watch through this game, 
and also the coming games, but I picked him out for players to watch come Friday. Matt Pear, we have no idea as to where he's going to play on Friday. Is he going to play left tackle? Is he going to play right tackle? Are the Lions starters going to play? That's another question. If he goes up against Aiden Hutchinson, if he goes up against Josh Paschal, if he goes up against some of these other edge guys that they have, Romeo Aquara, Julian Aquara, all these different guys, how is he going to fare? Because right now he's listed as the third string offensive tackle over Corey Cunningham, over a couple other different guys that are battling for the swing tackle position. Cole Beasley. Beasley has had a mixed camp, in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. There's some routes where he looks good and, you know, he beats Darren Holmes, but some other times he just looks slow. So I think, again, Friday is going to be a test tube sample size to see is Cole Beasley going to be a possible contributor or is he just a camp body to push other guys to be better? Bobby McCain. We talked about him a little bit beforehand as the second safety, now third safety on the depth chart, can play a lot of different positions. Safety, box, slot corner. Was a former outside corner himself when he was in Miami. Is he going to be a solid defensive contributor? Will the Giants like his versatility and his skill set? Do they value that over Nick McLeod, Javarius Owens, and some of the other guys coming in? And then finally, Lawrence Cager. I think Cager will get a lot of attention on Friday with whoever starts a quarterback because they're not going to play Waller. I don't think they'll play Bellinger. I would be surprised if they do. And then as far as Lawrence Cager goes, he's right now the tight end three. He's going to be on the same team likely as Tommy Sweeney and Chris Myrick and Ryan Jones. He's the lead guy right now. The Giants, they want to pass more. They're going to go with Lawrence Cager. They run more. They're going to go with Myrick or Tommy Sweeney. Ryan Jones is a long shot to make this roster unless all those tight ends I just mentioned get injured. But Lawrence Cager, Bobby McCain, Cole Beasley, Matt Parrott, O'Shane Zimenez, and then players I'm just excited to see, Eric Gray, Trey Hawkins, Cordell Flott, Darian Beavers, and Colin Johnson. But appreciate you guys for tuning in to a live edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast here on a Tuesday afternoon. Um like, comment, subscribe, do all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops your drops. Appreciate all coming back. Share out, too. Uh, I appreciate Jeremy for coming on. I believe his Twitter link is in the bio. So definitely check out his work. He does a great job. Was at practice today. He'll be at practice tomorrow. So if you want a lion side of things, uh, he's going to be filling in on that. He's As he said, he's going to be focusing on the defense tomorrow and watching a little bit more of the offense for the New York Giants. But appreciate you guys, and we will see you next time. Peace. Uh-huh.